The Daily Talk Show, episode 614. And we got Tom Harkin in the building. Welcome, Welcome Tommy Jim. boy. Thanks for having do you me. Get, do you get Tommy as well? Yeah, sometimes. More Harks than yeah, Tommy. Harks. Yeah. Um, is it Tom on your birth certificate? No, Thomas without a H. Thomas. Yeah. Thomas. Or Tomas. 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 Uh, I love it because um, it's Irish. one of those. It's one of those things. Uh, people somehow f- some find a time to call me Tom. Mm. I'm just like, it's mm. not my name. But surely but you're going to grow out of Tommy. Nah, I like it. It's f- it's yeah. fun. It's playful. It's friendly. It suits me, doesn't it? Yeah, Tom? it does. Yeah. I think yeah, Tom's you're a Tommy. Like, Tom suits you too. Yeah. Anyway, welcome, mate. It's um. Cheers. Before we start we got talking about uh, identity. Yeah. <laughs> before we go deep. Uh, we, this almost didn't happen. Yeah, this, that's I'm, right. I'm so glad it has, though. Mm-hmm. Um, the phone's ready to roll. Yeah, so if your phone goes off and you do run out of shot, it's because your wife is giving birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is very exciting. To the next generation of men. It is a boy? Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, you've already got one child, which is mm-hmm. similar age to Bodie, actually. Mm. Yeah. I think I remember the – I think I saw you at a friend, a mutual friend's birthday, and I think Paige might have been pregnant. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think I I almost put my foot in it or something. I don't know. It's that time when no oh, one knows, right? Are you, did you have a big Christmas or <laughs> no? No, not that. No, <laughs> I'm not that guy. It's my must. You, you know, are that guy. You're I'm pretty guy. forward. Yeah. I say shit. That I do put my foot in my mouth a lot. Yeah. And so anyway, it's very um, flexible like that. So what a, was the foot that you? No, I just must. I nearly said something. What? Well, so you knew and other people well, didn't know. Uh, well, I don't think you'd mentioned it to oh, everyone at the okay. point. I but saw you, you when I said something. No, but I, <laughs> yeah, I thought was, I knew. What was going on? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> and, anyway, um, it's happened. Uh, so you've got an organisation called Tomorrow Man. Yes. How did it start? Um, oh, the, there's a short story and a long story. I'll start with the short one. Um, Can you I, go from the short one to the long one? Yeah. If we just wanted yeah. to jump? We, yeah, we might be able to jump. Surely we've we made go. some progress. It's like doing a, <laughs> some industry credits or whatever. We can get yeah. you into second year or something. I think <laughs> the, 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 the long story was um, more so just my passion for working with blokes, mm-hmm. which was an unorthodox pathway. Um, the short story is we did a documentary with Gus Warland um, and he I can't remember when it must have been about five years ago now it feels like uh, maybe four years no actually well Riv was like ten weeks when it aired so um, almost four years ago Gus went on a journey around Australia to work out what was going on for the Australian male and and he got I was involved in that ran a workshop for a group of uh, young blokes and a group of CEOs and um, particularly the session with the young guys you know these rowdy you know sixteen year old blokes at Belgala Secondary us as kids yeah exactly yeah. Um, just coming in for shits and giggles and having a bit of fun great banter and then um, you know obviously the twenty minute part of the episode shows the boys. Um, going from that to incredible honesty that they had never heard out of each other's mouths and and a fair bit of emotion. Um, And, you know, uh, after that, things just blew up. Yeah, so the I think the night before the doc, the I think no, it wasn't the night before. It would have been about a week before. Um, Jen, one of the producers, was in town. We're having breakfast to celebrate, and she said, "So, what have you done with you? You got a website? You know?" Oh, I said, "No." Like, and she said, "Have you shut down like your socials? You know, make them private or anything?" 
I was like, well, I don't know how to do that. Um, <laughs> and she said, well, you better work it out because in a week or two, things are just going to get, you know, crazy. And that was under the presumption that it would be a big hit, which it was a yeah. great hit, that doco. Yeah. And also under the presumption that you got something to hide on social media. <laughs> what the fuck did you have on yeah, there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there was much. There was one wild kind of night in LA that I had taken like 50 shots of me that looked like I was in a brawl. I wasn't actually, but... Um, You're going for a <laughs> hug with you, mate, and it just looked like that. Yeah, I was just leery. Um, and so uh, Gus um, works on Triple M up in Sydney? Yes. Yeah, he's just moved to a different show, the uh, Dead Set Lenders or something. But he, yeah, he was on this kind of, he was on this journey. He's made it, uh, did I say that he's made it taken his life? And he no, was just trying no. to, yeah. So his best mate took his life, a mentor of his, and the guy had a perfect life. Mm. As far as Gus was concerned, had the cash, had a beautiful wife and kids and charismatic guy, like just everything, like all ticked all the boxes. And um, and then one day, you know, walked upstairs, um, which he never did up to where the boys, you know, rooms were and a little lounge room up there. And they were playing video games and he went up and sat down with them for a moment and said, you guys are right. And, uh, and then he left the house and never came back mm. and... And Gus, kind of in his own words, was just like, I, like angry, didn't get it. Mm. Why did he leave them? Like, this isn't the guy that he knew. And so then this this opportunity came up around this doco. And so he's like, yeah, I want to find out what's happening. Mm. Well, um, I think that, that doco came out at a time where the conversation hadn't even sort of hit its, not peak, but hit its high around masculinity. Yeah. Like it was perfect timing oh, uh, for yeah, anything. Crazy. What yeah. does that conversation look like? Today, because you see yep. things go through sort of phases in culture sure. where they've got more attention to them. Yep. Where is the conversation around men and masculinity at the moment? Yeah, it's a great, great question. I think, um, and I'll give you my take on that. Um, You're think, on the ground. I think yeah. everybody else will have different ideas. But for us, I mean, at that time, we were running a few workshops. We're now running 500 workshops a year around mm. Australia, about 30,000 men um, from, you know, year 10 and upwards. What we've seen in that time is our three major funders all began about that same time, all because they had lost somebody significant um, and they wanted to do something about it. And we've grown up with those funders and and others that support us. Um, But around the same time, like – People were coming out of the woodwork all over the place. Like guys up on the on the east coast, you know, Sunday frothies with the boys, come and have a cappuccino and, and have a walk and a talk about what it means to be a dad. You know, if you've been through, you know, having a child, you know, they make sure that the mum's hooked in with all the local mums having babies at the same time, but there's no equivalent for the blokes. And so I think there's been this like over those, you know, over the last four years, I feel like there's just been this like amazing explosion of all of these everyday blokes mm. going, we need solutions for all the gaps, you know, in in the normalised way a bloke grows up in this country. I think where it's at now is at the time of Man Up, um, when we were doing all the media on the back end, people saying, oh, you know, what do you think about Man Up? And I was saying, I think Man Up's great because it was all about awareness. But where are the aspirational normalized training grounds for your everyday Aussie bloke to actually learn the capabilities that are going to change the stats. 
not just become aware that there's a problem and mm. there's a gap, but actually, you know, n- not so much clinical. All that clinical help is really needed, you know, but but where are the, you know, you grow up in, for me, I grew up in Frankston and the cricket club was my kind of church of man, you know what I mean? Like that's where I learned it was the cricket club, you know, in summer, the footy club in winter, and I wanted to be like the blokes that hung out at that place. But where's the equivalent of that? that actually teaches you how to have a conversation with another guy, particularly about the stuff that you most need to talk about. Mm. Now, nobody at that club ever taught me how to do that, you know. Um, they taught me how to play pool, had my first drink up there, all of that kind of stuff. They taught me about chicks and they taught me, you know, how to play a sport. But there was nowhere as a teenager that I was like, I want to tell my mates that I'm, I'm heading to this, you know, to learn these skills. Um, for me, I was lucky enough to find the Reach Foundation about that time. Sammy, mm. mutual friend of ours, he was like that one of those people for me. I was like, that mm. guy's a legend. He's not much older than me. I want to be like him. He's charismatic. He's cool. Um, I'd love my mates to meet him and I want to learn off him. Like, did he have dyed hair at that point? Like, did he have the He had the a mo- mohawk. mohawk. Mohawk? Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. So I've only ever honest. heard about the Still mohawk. Seem cool. I've, never, I've never seen it. <laughs> we should get a photo. Did he have eyebrow, an eyebrow piece? Piercing too, or if that's maybe the Definitely. story that I've created yeah. in my head. The eyebrow, the ears, the you know, inside his yeah, and, and the, what, what do you call it? The I mean, his uh, his superhero kind of person, uh, disco pig. Is that was that? <laughs> yeah, that was kind of his like, alter ego. That, yeah, that was yeah. his DJ personality. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. His alter ego. We're he, talking about Sam Kavanagh, who's been on the show yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, when I was growing up, I didn't have many male friends. Yep. Um. Has that been something that is part of the conversation or like, so I'm, Tommy has had a very good close friend, like close group of blokes. Sure. I was never really into drinking. Yeah. Wasn't really into sport. Yeah. And so I ended up like, it's been like I'm turning 30 this year, but it was almost like this recalibration because I got Mm. into my twenties and then you were just friends with all like all all female friends. Yeah. And then- I've been with my girlfriend for 12 years and it's sort of like change, like the relationship that you have with girls when you've got a long-term partner yep. changes yeah. as well. Um, what have you learned through speaking to men in regards to friendship? Yeah, I, I mean, the main thing is that for blokes, friendship is about action and um, sharing experiences more often than not, if you just go bucket maths, mm-hmm. like blokes will say, yeah, I've got my mates. And yeah, I know what's going on for them, but then they, you know, they're in a workshop and they realize, geez, I didn't, I actually didn't know what was going on for you. Mm-hmm. And then they find themselves going, I thought I was a really good mate. And I'm starting to feel like maybe I'm not such a good mate. Yeah. I should know that. Um, which is also ironic because often their mates are saying the same thing. They're like, well, you haven't told me what's going on for you either. Mm-hmm. So I think that for, for, for guys, like, I mean, one of the things, we're out running a blokes night or something, we say to people, well, what do blokes usually play with when they grow up, you know? And they'll say, you know, their tackle, their dick or whatever. Um, and then once they get past that, it's like, you know, trucks and, you know, guns and all that kind of stuff. And what do girls as bucket maths usually play up with, you know, play with as a kid? And they usually say things like dolls and house and, you know, relational-based toys. Mm. And it kind of continues that way. You know, you go around a co-ed schoolyard and you generally see most of the guys scattered or sitting in lines or, you know, throwing stuff at something or each other. And 
and the, and the girls are generally in clusters mm. and they're facing towards each other and they're talking about how's life for you or did, did you realise this happened, you know, what's going on around our social network kind of thing. And that kind of continues. So the, the interesting thing for guys in Australia is this realisation that most of our friendships actually exist around structured activities and for the first part of our life, we don't even decide on the structure. So we're put together through school, put together through organised sport, maybe or organised music or whatever it might be. And then we know from the stats and from the guys that we're out there talking to, there's this cliff drop around about the kind of 30, 30 to 35 mark where you get the significant relationship and you dedicate yourself to a lot of that. You're out of the shared house. You're too old to be playing the organised sport. And so there's nobody giving you an excuse to come together and so you stop coming together and guys start to rely all of their emotional support on their significant partner. <laughs> and that's where a lot of the kind of scary stats live, you know, in terms of when life's getting its hardest, why do, you know, only one in three males, 30 to 65 in this country say that they've got relationships that are significant mm. that they can rely on. The other two-thirds either think, well, I don't have the quality of relationships or I have mm. no relationships at all with, with friends. And so is that a natural thing or is that culture? I think it's culture. I think it's culture. I think, you know, it was interesting because I had a workshop yesterday and, the, and it kind of the guy at the end was saying, you know, but we're born this way, aren't we? You know, like we're born this way. And I said... Right, Lady Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> Great song. It's, it's hard to say... You know, it's hard to say where the nature-nurture thing mm -hmm. intersects. But mm -hmm. like, I saw this great thing on SBS the other day. I was flicking channels and it was, uh, is Australia sexist? Mm -hmm. It was the name of the show. And they had it was just this one clip and it was, you know, kids around the 18-month mark where you can't really see gender, you know, in their physicality or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And it was a ex social experiment where they had the room filmed and people were coming in and playing with the kids on a mat with all of these toys that kind of are different gendered toys or whatever. And so people come in, they're playing with the kid. The kid's either dressed pink or blue. And then at the end, interviewing them, how did you find it with the kid, you know? Sure enough, people with the kid in blue were playing with the trucks and stuff and saying, you know, like they loved, that's what they wanted to play with. They were going for the trucks and they were going for that. So really lighting up around the trucks, you know? And same with the girls. Oh, really lighting up around the dolls, you know? They really loved that. And then they're told, you know, so the girl dressed in pink was actually a boy. Um, did you know that, you know, how do you feel about that? And mm -hmm. just the shock mm -hmm. and then kind of go, what? No. Yeah, really? Uh, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And then st starting to realize, did the kid pick the toy or did I actually pick the toy and then decide yeah. that the kid was loving it where the kid would have loved any yeah. toy, you know what I mean? But, but I'm so kind of conditioned by all the norms around me that that's the way that I roll with mm. it. So I think, sure, there's, there's some nature stuff. But like I said, like if you just look at the way that we grow up and what people encourage into us, mm -hmm. like Riv at the moment, three and a half, go on a daycare. Um, we, we've got this like daily battle in the car with Riv trying to make um, Paige, you know, the, the green or the blue Power Ranger, you know. No, mum can't be that. You know, mum needs to be pink. Mum needs to be pink. Dad, you can be blue or you can be green. Mum has to be pink. And it's like, no, Riv, why? You know, because she's a girl and girls are pink, you know. And, you know, he's in our household and we're pretty open-minded and all that kind of stuff, but he's dead set. Like, he's so fierce about it. He's like, no, you're like, you guys have got it wrong. Like, you're not getting this. He's so. since left that daycare. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's interesting because my experience with Bodhi – 
like he was he gravitated to wheels before mm. and I've always been like I'll give him whatever he wants to play with sure. I don't give a shit yeah uh, you know and and sort of and he's a he's a madman he like he get, he loves to jump off stuff and he yeah. does gravitate to the trucks and stuff and so that sure. I've thought more about the nature nurture thing yeah and there's there's definitely some part of it there yeah where yeah. they just they just obsessed over. And so, stuff. what is that then? Yeah. So, what, like, so it, what goes is goes to my bro- Sorry, just one example. Yeah. Goes to my brother's house, Jacko's mm. house, mm-hmm. and Jemima, his my brother's daughter, is four. He somehow finds the one truck yeah. in that house. Sure, yeah. they didn't even know where it was, but he's got under the couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was only two days ago. Yeah, and, and I just thought that was like, mate. You yeah. can put the Elsa dress on if you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all good. But well, how funny soon is that example ha- as well? But right. like how soon is all of that starting to wi- like be wired in, do you mm. think? Yeah. Like by the age of three, yeah. the programming, is it all, you know, set up from a cultural point of view? What are we watching from like a like a consumption point of view exactly, as well? Exactly, yeah. Well, he's taken it off watching Power Rangers, mm-hmm. not even from daycare. Yeah. Or like I think he wanted Power Rangers because the kid's at daycare and then we put it on the TV and he just sees, you know, every time the chick's in pink, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, mm-hmm. which is changing now. Like it, like pretty much every movie that you go and watch at the cinema now has a female hero, yeah. you know, and so that's great because they're going to be exposed to different stuff. But yeah. I mean, I agree with you on it. Like Riv was just engines, you know, any sound of an engine, he'd just be like, yes, you know, yeah. he's obsessed with motorbikes, has been, he, he just will not let go of it. But at the same time, we were um, in Greece at the airport and he wanted to go to the toy, toy store and he was loving Frozen at the time. And we went into the toy store and we we're looking through. I was like, yeah, you can get something. So he's like looking at everything. And so he picks the, uh, the Elsa costume, you know. Yeah. And um and I and, and I found myself actually going, Oh, but don't you want yeah, don't you yeah. want this? Yeah. You know? And uh and then and then I actually managed to convince him to get something else that he didn't really want mm-hmm. and we were about to leave the store before it dawned on me like, This is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like it's actually me. I just don't want him walk around with the Elsa costume mm. um, and, and the doll. And so uh, so I, I went back and went, no, you want that, don't you? And he's like, yeah, I do, you know. So he got that. But then really interesting just watching all the airport stuff. I still remember it walking out on the tarmac and people being like, what's the kid doing, you know, with the Elsa doll and the Elsa costume? Like what is going on? And then realising like I run all of this stuff and I'm yeah. trying to unwind my biases yeah. all the time. But I'd be lying if I was like, yeah, yeah. rock it, like wear it. What about know? the people that would say that parents are then trying to proje- project that, which is like, you know, um, the kid wants a truck. Why do you keep, you know, giving him a, a Barbie? He doesn't want a Barbie. Like, yeah, it's like Rage in Placid Lake. Have <laughs> you seen that movie? No. It begins with, um, his, is he off Ben Folds or something, the actor? Anyway, it's an Australian movie. It begins with... Like it's black and you can hear the sounds of a school and they're like, go on, Placid, go on, like you'll be fine. And and then uh, it comes to the screen and it's this little poor little kid walking mm. in with a dress on into mm. school because his parents want to challenge the norms. Yeah. And the poor kid, like I think somebody walks up and just clocks him straight away and they're like, it's going to be fine, Placid. You know? And so you're, when you're uh, at sports clubs and you're mm. on the ground in communities and you're seeing the – what the programming of yeah. masculinity and what it means to be a man has mm. done to men. Mm. Where do you fit? What do you think the, the balance is for how we 
bring up kids. Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing because I like I'm like I'm I'm all about masculinity. Like mm-hmm. I lo- like I love a lot of those masculine traits and and I identify with a lot of them. And I think it's about a balance. I think the rip off at the moment for blokes is that if they grow up and they're not brought into environments where they get to question the norms that they're mm-hmm. kind of growing up with, they end up with half a toolkit. Mm-hmm. And that half a toolkit only really works in certain situations. And so when they can't cry, you know, and just hold their tears with their mates and go, I'm fucking struggling, like this is really hard at the moment for me, um, or they can't, you know, cry at their wedding or, you know, even cry during a movie. They can't rock a dance floor probably, you know, I, you know that wasn't a Frankston thing to do. In the <laughs> burbs, you don't hit the dance floor if yeah. you're a bloke, you know, you toe tap on the outside. And so why should you miss out on all that shit? <laughs> you know, like we we got one life, one, That that's where I sit with it. It's not, hey – Let's all, you know, jump in dresses and really kind of try and push the opposites. More so saying, um, I think every bloke should should have the capacity in themselves to assert themselves and to be strong at the right moment and all those things. To be stoic, to tuck away their emotion and self-regulate and get the job done on the really hard day. I think everybody should have that ability. But if that's your only ability then we just know that's not sustainable. Eventually that's just going to snap and there's mm. going to be a huge implosion and a lot of people around you, including yourself, are probably going to get hurt. So have range mm. is is kind of our message. Like, guys, like, like have it all. How much have you changed since starting uh, really you know, digging deep into this? That's a great question. Um, I think I've become... Um, probably more upset and more um, passionate and angry, you know, in some ways. Um, yeah, like I think yeah, – I, I think I was lucky growing up. I had a strong matriarch of a mum and so I she would talk me through what was going on for me emotionally and what I was struggling with and all that kind of stuff. And then I was around my mates and I gra- gravitated towards the big guys because I was so small and – I didn't feel like I was a man. I wanted to be around them. And luckily I was mates with them in primary school. And then I saw around 17 like the rule book start to smash back on them and start to, you know, yeah, lead to some outcomes I wasn't happy. You know, like I wasn't happy with for them. School, didn't know how to handle them and all sorts of stuff. And so that's where it began for me. It was like I didn't go out to work with blokes. I had never had that interest. It was more so like – well, I know my mates and they wouldn't rock up to pretty much everything that's on offer for them to do the talking. And so we need a better alternative for for that bloke. Now, um, I think the thing that makes me a bit emotional is, um, you know, when you go out and you work with a group of, you know, 50-year-old blokes in a country town, they look terrifying. You know, you sit in a room with Mm. them and they're all, you know, looking at you like – fuck are you and what are you going to share with me? It's kind of really intimidating space to be in. Um, and on the other side of that, within about 10 minutes, if you provide the right environment, you're not attacking them or condescending them, they actually all just start to open up and you end up with this beautiful group of blokes going, I don't have the tools I need for a good life and I don't want to see another mate die mm. and I, do, I don't want to live this way. I don't, I, like, I don't want another broken marriage and I don't want these things but I don't know how to change it. Like give me a, give me a solution and I started finishing all of my workshops by saying 
gents, the cavalry's not coming. Like the 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 edu- the way that we educate our young men isn't going to fundamentally change. We're not going to suddenly have all these inspiring environments that guys want to go to as much as they want to go to the football club or the cricket club or to play in a band with their mates. Um, we need to do it's the everyday man that needs to do it, not wait for the government, not wait for the education system. It really is like if you see a solution for your mates, you're like, we need to bring the boys together. We need to learn to talk. You can get on the internet now and learn how to talk pretty mm. much, you know what I mean? Like there's so much resource that you can self-educate. Um, but, yeah, I think the thing that's changed in me is I've been out there um, I remember seeing that movie. Um, what's, what's that movie with Brad Brad Cooper recently? A musician, love Bradley movies, Cooper. Though. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> a Star yeah, is Born. Yeah. Star, Star is Born. born. Yes. Great one. I, I went and saw that movie Crinkle uh, Cinemas, and good cinema. It, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's got Village movies. or oh, I can't remember. It's probably Maybe Hoyts. Yeah. You're a gold <laughs> class guy. Remember. Definitely okay. not. No. no. Well, I think isn't Hoyts like just gold class in general these days? No, they just they, replaced all the seats. Yeah. They've got the whole uh, thing in the Hoyts Melbourne Central. Yeah. They've got bean bags potentially, mm, but not to yeah. get bogged down. Yeah. Anyway, so you're in Karingal. Uh, I'm in, I'm in Karingal yeah. watching that movie. Um, got a date night. Like it's like really? you know sacred time away from the the, the little bub. And we decide to go and see the most depressing movie you can possibly watch. <laughs> and I I broke. I just broke. Yeah. I did not see it coming. I didn't mm-hmm. I hadn't seen the original. I didn't know the storyline. Mm. And I it took me about twenty minutes to get out of the cinema and head down. It wasn't the beanbags. No, it wasn't the beanbag. <laughs> it, it was in, in extreme emotion. Yeah. And I think the thing- Lights that, come on? Is yeah, it credits yeah, pretty much. And, pretty yeah. much. Well, light, they, light, well, so is that something <laughs> that you should go toward the unexpected emotional response? Because on a Friday night, Bree will say, oh, let's watch this movie. I'm like, it's too fucking negative. I need something funny. Like oh, I don't right. want something I think sad. we both said, let's never do that again. <laughs> yeah. Ever. Like, yeah. but the thing that hit me about it was that it would spoke to a lot of the experiences that we've been hearing about it. Mm. And I had just been like, not, you know, like not really maybe processing it completely. Mm-hmm. And it just went, whoosh, you know, straight through the middle. Uh, so is there something so within, as an, what's changed. as an organization that you have to do, because when you're going out there and you're speaking, you've yep. got facilitators within your yep. business. What sort of emotional support do you need to provide them? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the peer group, the other guys that are out there facilitating provide a lot of support. And then we've got, you know, like a counsellor will have a supervision session where another counsellor will be, you know, let them just talk about how are all your sessions going, what, is there anything that's keeping you up at night and all that kind of stuff. And we have supervision available for our guys. And then we do trainings, you know, mm-hmm. like off-site trainings where we just, yeah, um, train them in the skills of facilitation but also how to deal with what, what they're out there experiencing. What have you learned about communicating to men that is transferable to women so they're or a, a partner of a man? Mm. So there's, you know, it's about my wife looking at me and one of the great things she said was, I think when you go insular, you're actually trying to work it out and then you come back when you have some solution. It's exactly what I fucking do. For yeah. some reason that cut through to me. I think it's because it's a, someone very close to me sure, that I'm yeah. valuing that. But if you – what would you say is somebody who wants a strategy to open up dialogue with a male who might be sort of closed off? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a funny one because it's like a Band-Aid solution for now. Like, and when I say that, like, the advice is actually not to not to go face to face. Like, don't get in their face. Face time? No, yeah. no. 
Yeah. What, what, <laughs> as in physically up in. Yeah, don't get in their grill. Mm-hmm. Don't be direct. You know, be side by side. Be laid back and don't jump if they give you a breadcrumb of honesty. Um, mm. Whereas a lot of time the person, particularly the woman, cares so much. It's like, I want to know what's going on for you. Yeah, yeah. And a breadcrumb comes out and it's like, oh, what do you, why do you think that's the thing? Yeah. And, and like, you know, and it's like, here's 10 questions on that breadcrumb you gave me. And the guy just goes, ah. Like too much. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. Whoa, I don't have. So I'm more to like those. a female oh, in a great. lot of ways. Like, because <laughs> like, I think that's the thing with Tommy says you layer. You, you you don't say it so much anymore. But it was always like you're layering. You're yeah. layering because I would be like this thing here mm. affects this 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 and also this thing that happened six months mm. ago. As sure, well. yeah. But mm. it's interesting you talk about not communicating direct, but being side by side. Yeah. I feel like it's a com- a common thing is. Mm. Direct communication is seen as like the pinnacle, right? Because yeah. direct communication is the most transparent, yeah. honest yeah. thing that you can do. Yep. Do you think that there is a, a better way than direct? No. Uh-huh. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. So that's, I, that's why I think it's a band-aid. Yeah. That's why I think it's a band-aid because mm-hmm. I think that it's scary that that is the solution most of the time. Just don't get in their grill. And so and, what you're saying is too Get in the grill. I what I what I would love would be for our education to set mm-hmm. young blokes up to know how to sit face to face and have a deeper conversation without awkwardness or the need to dance around each other. What about uh, not as well now. as banter? What about like what about like timing mm. around a conversation? Yeah. When is the right time to have that difficult conversation? Yeah. And is are there mechanisms around? Okay, like this is how you you set it up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you got you, 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 like you've got to understand the person that you're talking to and what they might be needing to protect themselves on. Like, if you're around all like, oh, the ten blokes are there and you're bantering about something that happened on the weekend, mm. it's probably not the time to go. Oh, hey, and Tommy, what's how are you really going, mate? You know, if that's the first time, and then mm-hmm. ten blokes turn around and go, what? Mm. You know, mm. it's it, it's going to be a rebuff. Whereas if you have time, if you're in the car and you're driving somewhere and you've got the time to have a bit of a chat mm-hmm. or... Yeah. Um, the car seems like a good one. That's great. But it seems yeah. like to... Side by side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it does have that. Until the driver going. starts speeding because they're <laughs> yeah, exactly. pissed. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Tesla oh, would be good I'll for that. This. You could do it. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. The... Um, yeah. The, the conversation that you're having with a 50-year-old, there's 50 years of yeah. programming. You yeah. can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah. That's what they say. Yeah. Is, what's your experience with getting people at the earlier – oh, sorry, the, the later end of life? Yeah. And is it disheartening to – like do you walk away being like, I don't know if I'm necessarily leaving, creating the, the change? Um, no, definitely not. Um, probably the opposite, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, because I think those guys, by that point, most of the stats have hit them. And if it hasn't hit them, it's hit all the blokes around them. And so they're actually pretty desperate mm-hmm. in terms of like, I want to do, like we got to change stuff. Tell is me, it normally tell me a how. specific thing? Are you working with groups where it's like there's been a suicide in the community no, or is it? No, it's it's more like, you know, it's for anybody. It's mm-hmm. a bloke's night. Like anybody that wants to rock up and have a laid back conversation about what it means to be an Australian bloke today, a bloke in Australia today. Do you find that like, you know, councils are like, oh, you know, like our local governments, like, mm. oh, we're having 
they're seeing an influx of something and then getting you guys, is there some nah. way that you can do it early or you think no, that people are being proactive? The interesting thing is never councils. Okay. So it's always somebody, some Joe Blow or usually actually a woman in mm -hmm. town who's like, something's got to change. I've seen these great guys. We've got to get them to town. And so they contact and they're like, can you please come to our town? Mm -hmm. I'll get people there. I'll knock doors down at the local footy club and I'll get people in. Um, councils never get in touch. Mm -hmm. um, and so, it, and usually, yes, that local person is going, we've got some issues in town and nobody seems to be doing anything about it. And so I want to I want to do something. We need this for our blokes. What's the most challenging question you've been asked by one of the blokes in a, you know, where, where you're sort of giving them a direction yeah. and they've come back to you with something? Yeah, I mean, probably one of them we had a, I think we had like 150 blokes up in, uh, the, up on the northern beaches and and it had been an amazing session, like great stuff. And then this guy right in the middle stood up and he said, mate, I've got something for you just to close out. What do we do now? What do we do now, huh? This has been great, all good and everything. What's next? You guys going to piss off and never come back? It's like, um... Don't really have an answer for that, mm. you know. Like it kind of caught me off guard, and it's the first time that that I actually said that the cavalry is not coming. Mm -hmm. I, and, and I said, "Listen, like that's actually a choice for you to make." Um, but I, it, it really caught me off guard, and the whole group went, "Whoa, yeah, how are you going to answer that?" Like, good, good to start something, and really, my answer to it was, "It's pretty incredible to have a couple of you know over a hundred blokes rock up in a local community." You obviously want to change things. Mm. This is your community now. Like this is what you guys actually need to decide. If you want us back, if you want other things to happen, you've got to drive it, you know. That's why we're here because somebody from the community drove this. So the everyday bloke has to do something, not just complain that the government isn't, mm. the council's not calling you yeah. or there's no services or there's no, they're probably not going to. Um, so you need to actually say, what do we need? Like just, you know, what do we need, you know, for our mates and our sons and our dads, you know, and how do we pull our resources and try and make change happen? I know that um, I'm sure you personally have, but I've seen some of your team speaking in jails recently. Yeah. Um, I could imagine jail or school, there's people that are put being sort of pushed into these sessions. Mm. They don't want to be there whatsoever. Yeah. They're just doing what they are being told. Yeah. How do you as a facilitator um, deal with people who are in a room where they don't want to be there? Yeah. Um, by trying not to buy into it and shit yourself. Yeah. Because because they're pretty good at letting you know, like often, um, that they don't want to be there. And by not – because I think when you get scared, then then I, I know my reaction if I really get intimidated is to try and look like I'm much stronger than I am and go, you know, <laughs> well, folks, I'm here because, you know, and I and get defensive. Well, that's the worst thing. It's, it's more so just to go, listen, I'm not here to waste your time. If you think it's shit, then there is a door there. You can leave. Mm. Um, this is why we're doing it. If you're up for it, stay on board and then to get into it. And most of the times, like we have, you know, I remember running one for one of the waterboard companies and um, it was like all the, all the guys in high-vis and 
they looked really pissed off about being there. One of the guys finished the They're work. They're very safe with all their high bits. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> He was like, what did he say then? He said, um, well, when I walked in here and saw you fucking hipsters, uh, <laughs> I thought, what the fuck am I doing here? This is bullshit. I've got to sit here and listen to these young wankers for, you know, an hour and a bit, like pretty much exactly word for word like that. And he mm. said, you know, like I've sat here the whole bloody session. It's been fucking all right. Like this is probably. <laughs> so, There's a testimony. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's been, this, has been, this has been the best thing they've ever had here and we need more of this shit. You know? <laughs> How good is that? But we were like going to like that was the first one at that place and then it was almost like that guy was in every workshop. Mm. Like a guy like that yeah. kind of said pretty much that yeah. at the end of each workshop. Like we thought you were a dickhead and and I wasn't up for this and but it's been not bad. I love and that. that's that that's kind of the gap that we're looking to fill. We're yeah. looking to to because you know, there are so many great initiatives out there. There's so much research that's been done. There's a lot of solutions. Unfortunately, you know, you guys know everything about that in terms of brand and all of that kind of stuff. The best thing in the world, people won't consume it if they don't identify mm. with the packaging and they don't mm. aspire to identify with the packaging. And so uh, we put a lot of effort into the packaging, the mm. language that we put around the solutions that we're putting on the table. They have to be relatable to that bloke. If he thinks he's going to lose his mates and they're not going to want to drink a beer with him anymore, then I'd rather not be healthy, thanks very much, because mm. I don't want to be rejected by the people that, that are my tribe. Mm. If you could only have one tool in the toolkit to be able to make progress in this area, what do you think the tool is? For a bloke? For, yeah. Yeah. Um, is, it a, is there a daily practice or something that's sort of that – you know, to the to the point of going in, making positive change. Yeah. What's the small thing that people normally do after that that sees positive results? Um, asking the second and third question. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, that, that would be the number one thing. I think a lot of blokes, like that's what they take. They go, oh, I'm going to use that. And we have guys rocking up at the next workshop saying that made a difference. Second and third question is just – a lot of the time we ask the first question, you know, how you doing? And somebody goes, yeah, not bad, mate. You know, things with the family, you get it. And then, we're, yeah, 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 I get it. Um, how's the footy? You know, see the game on the weekend? Another mm-hmm. first question. And then on to another first question, another first question. Rather than going, um, yeah, I do get it. Yeah, family's intense. What's going on with yours at the moment? Mm. Which is the second question. Oh, you know, you know, the missus is cracking at me, but I'm trying to get this. You know, I'm trying to get the better job at work, and it's just taken more from me. I don't know how to, you know. Uh, yeah, right. Like, like what? What's it doing to her? Like, why is she kicking up a fuss about it? It's making life hard for her. Oh, well, that's like, a- mate. What the fuck? What's with all the questions? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that, um, is that a bit of feedback? Because like we've had uh, Michael Bungay-Stania who uh, wrote The Coaching Habit. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he's got a book coming out this month called uh, The Advice Trap. Yeah. It's very much around asking questions. And it's yeah. almost – but it's addictive. Yeah. Asking que- like there's well, so much fun in asking questions. So, so well, not – well, there's a lot of people that wouldn't say that. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of people that definitely wouldn't say that it's addictive to ask questions. A lot of blokes around Australia would say, no. Is I'm it because they're worried <laughs> about the answer? Yeah, they've got to hold something. They don't want to th- seem like they're prying. They don't want to mm-hmm. seem like they're being too intense. They don't want to seem nosy. Um, Do you think people like being asked the questions? Definitely, yeah, if it's asked in the right way. And, and it like you can say ask the second and the third question, but it does have a lot to do with how you ask it. Mm-hmm. 
because you got to give somebody space to breathe and you got you they've mm. got to know that you genuinely well, I just I'm just curious. I just want to know. Like we've got a mate, um, Kirk Docker, who um, you know, is the brainchild behind You Can't Ask That, the show. And before that he was doing that thing with Denton, um, out on the street, vox popping people. Mm. Like, when's the last time you cried? You know, what's you know, big questions, you know. Like and yeah, I remember talking to him and him saying, you know, it's just crazy what people are willing to tell you. Like they people wanna mm. tell you stuff. But they need it to be asked in the right way, and and if it's asked in the right way, people will tell you almost anything. Have you found any uh, portion of your life where you're really good at this and you're doing everything, but there's this like other circle where you just haven't, for whatever reason, tapped into the second and third question? For me personally, yeah, yeah. yeah. The last three and a half years. Four years. Um, it's the the irony behind setting something up that's helping a lot of people and and helping my family as well, you know, um, and and then realizing I'm losing my ability to be present to my own family and actually be what I'm out there trying to help guys do. Mm. Um, so I think it's a perpetual kind of like trying to balance like right now i'm making a very intentional choice to move back towards my family i made them the promise we'll set this up it'll be a busy few years i'm not going to be as much there emotionally as i'd like to be but then i'm coming back and this is not going to be our life and so um you know we're about to take three months when this bub comes um and both of us step out of the businesses and 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 that feels like the beginning of, mm. of, of getting back to that other circle that I've been missing. How tough is that on what's how is that playing on your mind now, stepping away for three months? Like what does that make you feel? Yeah, well, it's been a relief. Like it's been like I actually can't wait because it's been really hard the last three and a half years. There's been a lot of mornings where I've woken up just going again. Like there's so much on this mm. week. Like this is it's heavy running a business. It's been really brutal at times, um, and really rewarding and amazing and all those things. But so it's been a relief. Like I can't wait for that time. Mm. And then actually, the last couple of weeks is because I'm starting to make that move. Um, weird. Like I've yeah. been, I've actually been pretty, pretty depressed the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Like just kind of zero energy, feeling really, I don't know, sad or something. And I think a part of that is I'm slowing down. Like mm. it's and it's scary to slow down sometimes because then you realise what you haven't, mm. what you've been neglecting. You realise the small circle. Well, busy is a frequency, right? And mm. when you're living in that state of busyness or running business, there's a million things you could be doing. Yeah on top of the million things you're currently doing, you know? Yeah. And so it's dialing that, switching that to another frequency. Is, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. And it's easy to get used to it. Like yeah. you get used to it and you're like, yeah, I'm just like charging away. Like da 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 And then I'm I'm doing this. I'm like, Jesus, my muscles doing this have atrophied. Like I, I don't really know who I am or how to do this. Do I really like this? Mm. And, um, and I do. I know that. But there's a transition point that's been mm. actually kind of quite challenging. Is there a... I mean, guilt is a pretty strong word. Is there any guilt in feeling those feelings when you are doing something that is actually making a lot of impact? Yeah. So you're like, why, you know, I'm depressed. That doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's that's silly for me to feel like that when I've been, when I'm doing something that is about other people. So. Yeah. Um, no. 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 
not so much. Um, yeah, I haven't really felt that. That's good. I've, yeah. Uh, yeah. You have? No, well, I think um, the opposite for me uh, just led into something so I could tell you guys about some yeah, guilt right. I'm feeling. Just, I yeah, think yeah. I just actually did that. You projected and Tom's hit it you're right back. <laughs> yeah. He's volleyed it back. Well, it's like I shouldn't that. feel like, – what I was thinking is like I could imagine myself feeling – I, I shouldn't feel shit when I when there's other people who are in tougher situations or, you know, outside of my sure, environment. Yeah, yeah. But I think for me around the kids stuff and busy and running a business, I feel this and, I, and it's just in my head about guilt around the kid and not being there enough. Yeah. And as much as I'm there in the morning and night. Sure. But I just somehow feel this sense of the feeling of guilt around mm. that. Yeah. And that it's like it might be based on where I would love to be, which yeah. is giving this kid as much time as he wants, as I can give, you know, versus the opposite, which is I've got to do this. I've got to build something. Mm. Otherwise, what's the opposite? What's the alternative? Yeah, I've definitely felt that. I, I, um, the the first one I haven't because I do believe that everything's relative. So what's going on for another person, yeah, it's full on and sometimes you do need a bit of perspective but perspective shouldn't um, – it, it shouldn't – It doesn't discredit your situation. Exactly. Or, yeah. yeah, it shouldn't belittle your own emotional experience. Mm. It's just somebody else's experience and it might give perspective but you, you're feeling what you're feeling. Um, the other side of it, the guilt thing, for me it's been about emotional availability. So if I'm running – 15 workshops and I've got 50 emails packed up and everybody needs a piece of me and then I drive an hour and a half home and I get in the door. I've definitely had times where Riv is just this beautiful little kid mm. and he just wants – all he wants to do is play with me. Like mm. that's all he wants. Like, daddy, daddy, daddy. Mm. And I'm like ghost man, kind of like I'm looking – like I'm looking through a, a glass window at you saying mm. this and I have nothing left to actually take part, you know, mm. and definitely have moments like that where I'm like, oh, this is brutal. Like I should be available to you mm. like as a priority, but I just have nothing left. I don't know how to get on the ground with you and play and make this mm. something. Um, Do you think there's something in men that there's like a driving force to be the carer and I've got to be out there in the world and you know, mm. being a man of the world trying to build something, you know, that I think that's, well, you see how many yeah. men have been distant from their families off doing work. For sure. Off yeah. building something mm. yeah. for the family. You know, that's the yeah. sort of old thinking. Yeah. What's your relationship with ambition? Mine? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, we, Paige and I went through a lot of couples counselling over, mm. over the first, like, like couple of years of the business mm -hmm. because I felt like that. Mm. Like I felt – I had shat myself when, when Riv was coming along and I thought – I've been dicking around, doing a job I love. It's paid me nothing. I don't have money. I don't have a home. Um, we don't have those things. And I was like, I've got to get moving. i got to seriously get moving. And so that's why we set off with the businesses initially. And then the doco came very soon after and, and I saw an opening. I was like, this is my chance to provide, you know, all these opportunities coming in and I'm going to set mm. my family up and that's what I'm going to do. And, and she was like, well, stuff you because the family's right here mm -hmm. and I'm the only one that's looking after our family. I feel like I'm a single parent and all that kind of stuff. And we went through all sorts of stuff with that. But I was like, in the end, I was like, you got, you got to forgive me for that time mm. because I genuinely feel that I was doing my, 
my my dad thing. And it may not have been that I was able to do both dad things, but I really feel like I've done us a solid and we're in a position now where there's a lot of things that make us able to provide a life for River, quality life and our own presence now mm. in more empowered ways like our time and our energy and we have the home and we have those things and so I've been like you gotta like that was my way that was my thing Mm. you know and it might have been not exactly what you wanted me to do and the version of dad that you thought I would be but that was that was that felt right for me um so ambition's an interesting one like in that um yeah I'm ambitious to a point I just want to live a great life Mm -hmm. And that sometimes means work because it's like, cool, that's a great opportunity and it's a great opportunity. But not money for money's sake or don't want a big house, don't want to end up with a lot of regrets. Um, You think there's something appealing about that feeling like a ghost at the end of the day? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I think, think yeah, I think I can only talk on behalf of myself, but I think – you know, the badge of honour of knowing that you wasted yourself, you know, like I really did a good job today. I really, you know, smashed it out and I managed to achieve and I got that done. Like um, to a point, yeah, there's a feeling of coming home um, going like, yeah, I I did a job today. Not like I said, not that it's like then Mm -hmm. you're there and you're like, I wish I had more i wish i had more to give now that i'm home but i do think it can be difficult to to look after yourself in the way that you will have that energy at home which basically means i'm going to have less ambition for the occupation what uh what recharges your batteries emotional emotionally um i love a float float tank yeah haven't had one oh mate amazing recommend it uh, it's a good place just around the corner. Um, Which I, one is it? What it's – Jeez, uh, oh, could give him a plug, but I can't remember the name yeah. of it. I'll, I'll, I know. It's it a couple Collingwood? of streets down yeah, yeah, it's just like in the back streets of Collingwood. Novak Djokovic was Beyond there. Rest. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, Beyond Rest. Yeah, beautiful place. But uh, I'm an introvert. So mm-hmm. it, the, during the really hard times, I was watching um, – so the footy, like just watching a game of footy a week, it was like nobody's messing with my two hours. I'm just going to sit there and watch the footy. And um, is, is that Gardner guy in Tassie? Um, oh, yeah. The, Basil? The, not the guy with the big beard, no? No. no That's the one I was thinking Basil, of too. Yeah, he's no, he's great. a different not guy. He's got, he's got <laughs> well, grey hair. Fat, fat pig farm he runs. Okay. This guy started his own hobby farm and he's been making sh- series about it. But it's like 25 minutes mm-hmm. and it's just like, Nothing. Like each show he basically just goes and finds something in the garden, cooks something. <laughs> it's so slow. So they were my two things during the busiest time. Nobody messed with that sacred time. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, the float, like just whole world blacked out. And, yeah, wow. Uh, just, just an hour where I, it, like nothing recharges me as much. Nothing, nothing puts me back in my body mm. as much as that, like not a meditation or a massage or anything. Like I – I started doing them on Friday night so that I finish the week and do one. There's a place nearby our, our, our place in, in uh, on the Mornington Peninsula and it would just give me a Sunday feeling on Friday afternoon. I'd be like, great, I'm at least present for my weekend. I love that. Yeah. I love it. You know, they say with uh, <coughs> chefs, I don't know if this is true, but like they don't really cook good shit at home because they've been cooking all day. Mm. Uh, as someone who's playing in sort of that mental health yeah. space – 
do you feel like sometimes there's a bit of hypocrisy or like um, a misalignment in regards to what you're communicating versus your personal situation? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I was saying before, I think I was literally just talking to my wife about it the other day. I when I'm not, when I'm not busy and I've got space, I'm incredibly thoughtful with her and with my friends, and I I, I do things like I, you know. I'll What'd you do for Valentine's Day? Because you've been you're unwinding then. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> you're still you're, you're still, in the float you're still, tank. No, Friday, not, right? not even a card. Yeah. Um, you got yeah. three months to <laughs> off yeah, exactly. to make it up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah it's just it's a but, hallmark. But hallmark like. Anyway. Um, yeah, like I remember, you know, doing a thing for Paige. I was away for, for two weeks mm-hmm. for something and I did, you know, 15 days of awesome and made these little envelopes and there was a little, you know, like treasure hunt around the house to get something every day. So was like it all or up. nothing with you? Is it like yeah, go big, big or time. go home? Big time. <laughs> go big or go home, definitely, all or nothing. And so when I'm putting all of that creative energy and presence mm-hmm. and thought mm-hmm. into building the businesses, yeah. at times I'm not, putting it into my friends and my family. If I'm thinking of a friend um, and I'm thinking, oh, I haven't seen this person, I love doing this with them and that, I'll often, like if I've got space, I'll text it to them. Mm-hmm. Hey, just thinking, I just love having you in my life and how was this time? We've got to do more of that. And I haven't done much of that over the last three years because I've been putting all that energy el- elsewhere, which is, which is an irony, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm – pragmatic and realistic in that um, you can't – I don't believe that I could have started what I have started with my wife and and with all of our amazing team. I just couldn't have grunted that into existence without some trade-off. And I've got a – when I get home at night and, you know, at the end of these three years, I've, I've got to, you know, go to bed at night comfortable with my decision and comfortable that I did trade off over that time but hopefully it won't cost me in the long mm. run and I'll look back and say that was a good trade off because I got I got 10 times back you know mm. um what I sacrificed because some people I guess get on the treadmill and they say in 3 years we're going to go on the family holiday and yeah you know okay in in 3 years time and then before you know it it's been 20 years yeah exactly and then deaths happen yeah you know, yeah exactly. life changes and they never get to to celebrate, what do yeah. you think about retirement? Yeah, I don't think I'll ever retire because I love my job. Mm-hmm. I just love it. I love facilitation. I love the human condition. I love being mm-hmm. in a room with people that are talking real and and making discoveries. And I just love it. I'm never going to give it up. I'll only be better, I think, you know, in the years where I should be retiring. Um, but I'll work less for sure. And you know, to that point around the, yeah, some people say three years and then 20 years down mm. the track, um, they've forgotten how to do anything other than that. I, I Like I worry about that. Like when we were setting off, I was saying to good friends, like they were, because they were worried about me. Like, mate, you're changing. You know, like, like, like you're going pretty hard. Like how long can you keep this up for? And I would say to them, I feel like I'm doing a deal with the devil a bit. Like I'm going to go hard. This part of me is going to drive the car for a little while. And I really hope that I'll be able to make good on a promise that I'm going to shift gears and do it differently from there on. And uh, jury's out. I don't. I don't know. So, what. do you have a defined? Because obviously, if you think about like you read all the goal setting books, it's like you need to be you have a definition of done. You need to have something in the future where you say that where we've yep. arrived. Yeah. 
Do you have a have a sense of what that looks like? Well, yeah, we've arrived. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it wasn't about like big means mm-hmm. and things like. Like I said, we don't want a massive house and all that kind of stuff. But I had a point, and I believed it was about the three three year mark, and we'll get to there, and things will. I'll have been able to extricate myself and make mm-hmm. make the business a bit independent of me and stuff like that. And at that point, we're going to take some serious time back and won't return to that same pace again. So and so you're about to enter into that transitional point of is there a sense that you need to unlearn oh, a bunch big of time. things yeah i think that's why i've been pretty you know rubbish the last couple of weeks mm. because i'm starting to come to terms with um unlearning and it's like feeling mm. brutal it feels a bit like you know like i don't know like detoxing or, yeah. or you've got you've got really strong in one area yeah exactly the mm-hmm. part that's driving the car they got really strong yeah and so it's about powering up the other muscle which feels weird it just feels a bit abnormal you know because yeah. i've kind of gotten used to it a bit so yeah definitely there's this there's this transitional shit yeah. moment well i think the the way not to get stuck in the 20 years goes by and you realize you fucked it all is to be thinking about it and talking about it and mm. it's what you do for a living and it's what you're doing right now talking yeah. about the situation that you're entering into so you're actually yeah. in it yeah so there's real power to that and mate, you've you've done something amazing. The thing you've built mm. is really important mm. to men of our era. Mm. Is it getting better? Do you think Australia as a as a whole, when you're having conversations, do you think that we're on the right path at the moment? Definitely, yeah, we're definitely on the right path for sure. I think that the stats aren't getting better at the moment, um, but there's a lot of factors towards those stats. I think life is mm. becoming more complex. Um, we're more connected but more isolated through these devices. Um, you know, there, there are pressures that we're all facing and, and dealing mm. with. So that's one thing. But I do think that there's a significant shift mm. in, you know, like I said, all these organisations popping up and, and our generation of guys are going, we're not waiting. We're doing mm. something about it. I mean, we start this thing, start a group, start, start a walking group. The boys, we, we can change it. We can do it differently. Are we ready for it? Are we, are we actually, as a whole, as society, it feels like as we start to talk mm. about big things, you know, yeah, like yeah. climate change and like it starts to become this situation where once we're like it's always been ha- these things yeah, have always yeah. been happening been we're only going. just fucking talking about it now yeah. and it feels like talking about it makes it real yeah which then starts to easily spiral into everything's fucked yeah what's your perspective on how we can have these conversations and be better on the other side rather than getting into that spiral yeah, I think it's about agency and realising that you know that things can happen around you. So like when, when you know, a workshop finishes or something like that and you're saying the cavalry is not coming, I'll often tell them about five stories of blokes who did these things that seem amazing on the outside but this is how it all happened. Like, you know, there's an amazing guy in Sydney that runs a thing called Head Above Water and he was telling me, I was like, how did you get into this? A huge event. The media's coming down. There's all these people rocking up to swim nonstop for, you know, 24 hours and all this kind of stuff. And he said, oh, I, um, my wife uh, got diagnosed with terminal cancer and I thought I, I just did the man thing, thought I was sorting it out. She went into remission and I actually fell off a cliff in, emotionally because mm. I'd been repressing it all and didn't need to hold on anymore and ended up in an institution. You know, and he said, my mates had come by 
and they'd pick me up every day and they'd bring me to this pool and I could only like swim half a lap most mornings because I was so emotionally depleted but they just kept getting me and kept bringing me here so you know I'm, I'm going to swim 5k's in the pool today like and they've helped me do that and he said then I, he rocked up at that event that event where the guy stood up in the middle of the room and he was like I was in there and here I am thinking I know some blokes. I could do something. Like we could do something. So he's like, I left that event and I called my mates and I said, mm. let's do this head above water thing. And here we are. You know, they're about to run it again, um, you know, a little bit later this month. So it's kind of like when a guy hears that, you know, oh, that's what his mates did and that yeah. caused a chain reaction. Then he picked his phone up and said, hey, should we do an event down the pool? A lot of guys go, oh, that's the recipe? oh, maybe I could do something like that, you know? And so I think it's about agency. It's about yeah. going, yeah, there's a big issue out there, but what can I do in my own backyard? And who's done a backyard thing that's ended up actually being big? Mate, I love it. Definitely. Tommy, thanks for coming in, buddy. And would like to get you on in like three months' time. Yeah. Once you're on the <laughs> yeah. other, other end, it would be interesting yeah. getting that perspective. Yeah, yeah. When you uh, have time to actually chill the fuck out. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, no. that'd be nice. Well, it'll be easy. We'd love to. Yeah, yeah. It'll be in the <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> might, You might finish it well, all off. Just, yeah, we, we <laughs> are having all a new guys. child. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I keep saying to people, yeah, I'm having three months off. They're like, three months off? <laughs> you know what it's like to have a newborn, yeah? yeah a good way to <laughs> rattle the system. Exactly. Uh, it's a daily yeah. talk show. Hi at com is the email address. Please subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts. Feel free to give us a review there too. Otherwise, see you tomorrow, guys. See you guys.